Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. My guest today is Tiffany Pagney. She wrote this wonderful book called Protein Inc., and we're going to get to know her and talk a little bit about the book. Please welcome Tiffany to the show. It's nice to meet you. Where do you hail from? Hi, um, I'm in Austin, Texas, and um, I've been vegan since 2020. And kind of like, you know, it's the usual thing is as people get older, they start getting concerned about their health and, you know, that kind of stuff. And they start doing research on, you know, how to eat healthier and all that. And after doing some experimentation, I would only lose like a few pounds, kind of no matter what I did. You know, I tried keto a little bit, but with my heart issues and things that just was not working out at all. And then I found the starch solution on YouTube where Dr. McDougall had done, you know, the full talk on the starch solution. And I was kind of like, I did everything else, you know, why not give it a shot? I mean, what's the worst that could happen, you know? And so, and that was 2019 when I saw that. And so I had started incorporating, you know, lots of 100% plant-based meals into my diet. So like if I was you know, at home by myself, then I would eat 100% plants. But then if I was out with friends or things, then I would still eat animals because I wasn't vegan yet. I was just, you know, eating healthier. And so by the time COVID hit, you know, 2020, I had enough information that I was like, well, I don't need to eat animals, but eating animals is causing things like COVID-19 and zoonotic diseases. And so to me, it was just really stupid to eat, you know, a product that not only kills animals, which honestly, I was really selfish. I didn't really care so much about that at the time. But when I realized and made that connection, that I'm also killing other people by eating animals as well. That's where I drew the line. And so I was like, I'm not going to financially support buying any animal products, you know, that no more animal products, it is on the no list. What? But again, I still wasn't quite vegan yet, you know, because I hadn't known about animal agriculture or any of that stuff. It was just, I'm not supporting the death of other people for fun, basically, you know, because I want to eat at Wendy's and then spread bird flu. You know, I wasn't going to do it. And so, you know, that's how I was doing it. But again, I wasn't vegan. So if I went home for Thanksgiving, my, since my family was already going to buy the food, whether I was there or not, you know, I didn't see a contradiction in eating Thanksgiving, you know, things like that. But then Dr. McDougall had to go and come out with a video called Dairy is Disease. And I saw that video and that was when oh, I basically went vegan at that point. Because I, you know, I trust Dr. McDougall. He's the reason I basically, you know, gave up animal products for the most part. But even like all the stuff he said in the video about cows having leukemia and all these things, I was like, nah, it can't be that bad, right? You know, no, that, that that's all hearsay. There's no way you can verify that. So I spent two weeks going on the USDA and FDA website and just searching just for the stuff that he was talking about, you know, cows having leukemia and all that stuff. After two weeks, not only did I find all the information that he mentioned, I found and then some. And after all that research and everything, that was, I was like, no, that's absolutely disgusting. 
Why didn't them, you know anyone ever tell us this stuff? Why is the USDA just like, oh yeah, cows have leukemia, it's not a big deal, you know? And so I got just so disgusted by it. I literally just felt the need to write a book about it and give it to my family. It was it was never meant to be published. It was only meant to be for my family. So uh, that's just kind of like how I became vegan at that point. Well, that's great. And first of all, um, I'm so happy you're vegan. Thank you. And I love your story because, you know, Dr. John McDougall is one of my heroes. He has a monthly show on this channel. And yep. I think he's been the the point of entry for so many people. You know, you say on the back, first of all, I love the design of this book. Who did that? It reminds me of the old Dick Tracy comics, you know? <laughs> well, the the idea behind all these colors. So I went with the, yeah, remember he had Matali uh, De Perkesta on your channel? Absolutely. That was how I this happened. Because I already had the book all written out and everything. But again, it was just for my family, my friends, and that was it. And then you had Matali on. And I was like, crap, I guess I got to publish it now, don't I? <laughs> I love, I love that you found out about her from my show. Oh, yeah. And because I've got a degree in psychology, one thing I thought of was this needs to be bright colors, lots of red and yellow, because what do McDonald's and a lot of fast food places have? They have red and yellow, lots of bright colors. So I said it has to be, you know, bright colors. So that's why it, you know, kind of looks like that. But her uh, cover designer, this was all her. And like this at the top here, the protein ink, she made it this kind of lettering to be kind of like the big brother, you know, because it's protein ink, you know, massive industry. And it was like your big brother looking at you. <laughs> and influencing your life all the time. <laughs> well, it's very captivating. And I, and I love the colors and I love the look. And on the back, she you, did you, you say, or the book says, Tiffany Pagney has been fat and sick since childhood. Kind of reminds me of my story. Yep. Born with various defects. She felt her health was out of her hands with the right know-how. She has lost over 60 pounds and is currently the lightest and healthiest she has been since middle school. You know, first of all, you don't look that much older than middle school. I thought you were in your, your early <laughs> No, 20s. I am 39. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I'm like I'm about 114 right now. The highest I ever was. And remember, I'm four foot seven. I am short. And so the highest I ever got was 175. And when you're four foot seven, that is, that's big. Yeah. You know, and with pre existing heart and kidney issues and stuff like that, you know, it was, it was getting pretty bad even when I was 32, 33. I was like, I'm not going to make it to 40, you know, at this point. And that, that was just not good. And so that's what started me on, you know, trying to eat the best diet. And because I am what, you know, Dr. Lyle would say a hyper conscientious nutcase, you know, that's kind of why I did all the research I did and all of that. But yeah, like when I was in middle school, I was 120 pounds. You know, yes. I was already pretty big at that point. You, me you mentioned heart and kidney defects. Were these things you were born with? Yep. Oh, yeah. I was born with all kinds of messy things. Um, I was born with one kidney and it actually shocked my urologist because he did a scan because I was like, no, I've got one kidney. He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm like, okay. And he did a scan and he's like, you have one kidney. I'm like, yeah. He's he like, you actually have one kidney. Yeah. You know, because apparently usually people have like a little small, you know, worthless kidney, but I'm like, no, I actually only have one kidney and I was born with, you know, born that way. 
But what? not one doctor in my entire life had ever told me that protein is hard on your kidney. Not one doctor. And I was born with a heart murmur and a regular heartbeat. And again, not one doctor ever told me, you know, watch your fat intake or watch, you know, all the animals or don't eat bologna sandwiches or anything like that. Not one person told me that, yeah. you know, that well, just kind of makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I and I, I can understand that. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I remember hearing Dr. McDougall speak once about people with one kidney because sometimes people have one kidney because maybe they've donated it or they've lost it in an accident. He says it's even more important for people with one kidney to go vegan and eat a healthy diet. Yeah. And I was born that way. And I grew up eating the sad diet, like basically everyone else eating McDonald's and, you know, bologna sandwiches and cookies and all that. Where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Illinois. Me too. What city? Uh, Crystal Lake. I don't know that it's one. It's like a suburb of Chicago. Okay. I'm from Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Chicago yeah. deep dish pizza, all kinds of things. In oh, yeah. Chicago style hot dog. And, you know, because it's Illinois and super flat and everything, we actually lived right next to a corn farm. So every year we all go and just I could basically walk there and just buy a bunch of corn. Oh, it's the best corn. <laughs> well, corn's actually OK, though. So, you know, you yeah. actually speaking of corn, you actually included some recipes in this book that sound really good. Oh, yeah. This was just basically food that I would eat normally this is stuff as you know if i found something that i enjoyed eating i would just write it down so i wouldn't forget and then when i wrote this book one of my friends uh one of my friends was essential in me writing this book because like i said i just kind of put a bunch of stuff down and you know she's a lot older and wiser than i am and so she was helping me refine it and everything and she was like you should add some recipes in there and so i just basically through my list of recipes in there. Well, and this would be like a really good resource book for people to give like friends and family that really, you know, don't know much about why to go vegan. Yeah. Yeah. I want it to be kind of short and punchy, you know, cause like Earthling Ed did a, you know, really good book. That's like kind of what I did, but it's a lot, lot longer. Like his audio book is 17 hours. Mine's only an hour and a half. So anybody, so no one can say, well, I don't have time to read that, <laughs> you absolutely. know. Absolutely. Yeah. What did you, did your friends and family actually read the book? Most of them have. Yes. Some of them have not, but one day, <laughs> even if I have to sit them down and read it to them, <laughs> they will. Did any of them actually go vegan or even improve their diet somewhat from reading? They did actually. Yeah. That's I've actually amazing. converted a couple of them into being vegan. So that's fantastic. Yep really happy about that. I love it. I love it. And, and so what, during what time period did you lose the 60 pounds? And it sounds like it was pretty easy for you. Yeah, it was. I mean, because I only had the two rules, which I listed in my book was just low fat and no animal products. And that was it. You know, so I was eating mostly whole foods and all of that and just try to stay from high fat things. You know, I'd eat lots of smoothies with chia seeds and stuff, but I mean, that was pretty much it. But I mean, it was between 2019 and kind of like through 2022 or so, because then I would kind of gain weight when I go to like, you know, visit my family and they just eat the sad diet, you know, and I eat a vegan version of the sad diet, but I do eat the sad diet. And that kind of brings me back into the pleasure trap for a while. Until I get tired of gaining weight, then I lose the weight again. 
Yeah. So I, I have to be really careful when, when I'm at their house. Yeah, that's true. It's and you know, you know, you mentioned the pleasure trap in your book. It's very easy whether a person's vegan or not to get sucked back in the pleasure trap. Yeah. I mean, potato chips and Oreos are vegan, you know. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So when when you first switched over, was it difficult for you? Did you have cravings for some of the junk food or were you satisfied eating the starch-based low-fat diet? Actually, I a lot of people say, oh, I'll crave cheese or I'll crave meat or whatever like that. But I never had cravings like that. I mean, it was kind of the same one in 2018. I just had a New Year's resolution, like, I'm not going to drink pop anymore, you know, and quit it cold turkey and never once had a craving for it. You know, it was kind of the same with animal products. You know, once I kind of gave them up, like even when I wasn't vegan yet, I didn't ever crave cheese i never craved you know meat or chicken or anything i just had no cravings and then when i made that connection between like i'm eating diseases that not only are killing me but other people that that was just nope i have no desire whatsoever to put any of that garbage in my mouth you know it's just it's hard no it's like cigarettes and alcohol and stuff for me all that's a hard no so i don't even get tempted by it that's that I agree with that. But, you know, it's interesting because when you like cigarettes, alcohol, recreational drugs, these are things that people don't have to have, but people have right. to eat food. That's what I always hear. But I have to eat. Yeah, but you don't I have to that, eat. That's the thing with the pleasure trap is you do have to eat. And it's almost like legal crack being shoved in your face constantly at the store. You know, if I'm going to the fruits and vegetables at my store, I'm by, you know, I'm passing all the cereals and because uh, they have the bakery right next to it as you're going down the aisle. So you've got all the cakes and, you know, muffins and all that other stuff as you're heading towards the good food. If you go the other way, you're going with all the meat and the cheeses, <laughs> you know, so it's in your face all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. The, well, the store is set out that uh, set up that way on purpose. And you notice how like. All the stuff, all the crap stuff for kids is set like you figure like a kid is being in the shopping cart and the parents pushing the kid. Right. That stuff is right at eye level with the kid, whereas something that might be healthy is either really high up or really low down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For me, stuff being high up is obviously a problem. But <laughs> especially with, like when it comes to kids, you know, you'll notice a lot of kids stuff has got bright colors and very kid friendly stuff. And, you know, people kind of made the comparison of you're basically advertising cigarettes, you know, to kids, you know, it's highly addicting. It's damaging. It causes cancer. You know, you're speaking my language because Dr. Joan Iflin, who has a regular slot called food addiction Fridays once a month says the exact same thing that they modeled processed food. That, 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 well, think about it. To, yep. When I grew up, people could smoke in movie theaters and airplanes everywhere in restaurants. And when that changed, the law changed, the tobacco companies started buying. Philip Morris, I think, bought either Kraft or Nabisco or one of those. The process, it's well, like, they're, they're the same. Not know that. <laughs> yeah, they're the same kind of, uh, it's the same model, you know? Uh, hook them early, hook them young. Oh, like it, it broke my heart when my brother had a, had a baby. And the first solid food she ate the moment she turned one, because you can't feed a baby dairy before one. It'll kill them, you know? But the moment she could eat, you know, solid food and all that, mac and cheese broke my heart. 
or they do do these things i've seen in one-year-old birthdays they're called smash cakes and they're like you know sugar flour cakes where the baby just the idea is the the kid can play with it i mean you know (laughs) i don't have kids but it's i think it's really sad because both you and i struggled from a young age with obesity and that's just fun and there's all kinds of ramifications not just health but emotional and and social and and then to hear a two-year-old or three-year-old say, you know, I need milk for strong bones. I'm like, oh, no, no. You know, I mean, the dairy industry gets them early. Oh, yeah. I mean, at two or three. I mean, that, that's how we were raised, though. Yeah. How? I, I love I love the little, the whatever it's called, where it's the, the little thing that comes out of the mouth. There's a little a speech word. bubble. Yeah, speech bubble. Thank you very much. <laughs> Would you like a size of chronic disease that where did you learn most of the information in this book from watching some of the documentaries, reading other books? Actually, like a lot of it was from the Darius disease video, because that was the inspiration for the book. After I did all that research on the USD and FDA websites, that's a lot of where it came from. Because I even you know mentioned like, here's the actual USA recommendations. Here's the FDA labeling guidelines. You know, and I've watched your channel. I've watched Dr. McDougal, you know, basically that entire time since I, you know, started going plant-based and vegan. And just, I've watched like Dr. Neil Barnard and just a whole bunch of vegan doctors. And I did just a lot of research. Like I said, nothing in the book is just speculation. You know, I've got the CDC uh, on there, the WHO, you know, because I don't want someone to say like, oh, it's vegan propaganda. Well, then you're saying the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, you know, is propaganda, you know, that kind of thing. That's why I wanted to make it hard facts, because, again, I wrote the book for my family and my family's kind of mean, (laughs) you know, if I were to tell them, well, you're harming and killing animals, you know, and humans for fun or even just animals for fun, they're going to go. So I don't care, (laughs) you know. So I had to go with, well, not only is it killing you, you're killing your kids, you know, and here's the hard evidence that you're harming yourself and your kids, you know, that's why it's kind of short and punchy like that. And that's why it's just fact after fact after fact. And then kind of at the end, where I talk about USDA labeling guidelines, you know, about organic and free range and all of that, that's where I kind of slide in a bit of the ethics there to get people to think about, okay, well, now that we've debunked, you don't need to eat animals at all. Now look at what we're doing to the animals that you're eating, you know, and that's why I kind of mentioned the chickens and, you know, the hens that lay an egg a day and what damage it causes them because it's for those, you know, vegetarians. Oh, I don't eat animals you know, because of ethics, but then look at what you're doing to the animals, you know, to get your eggs or whatever. That's an interesting point because I don't want to make somebody that's vegetarian feel bad because they're, they are doing something right. I mean, I mean, it's better than nothing. Right. They're they're halfway there. Right. So I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to like shame them and say, well, you're not doing enough because they actually are doing more, but I don't think they really understand how cruel the dairy and egg practices are and also how unhealthy they are. So it's, 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 you know, like I say, it's, they're doing something and thank you for doing that. But, you know, dairy and the dairy industry is probably the worst of all. Oh, it is. It's absolutely just horrific. You know, and that's why I brought up, 
you know, like the 60 pound beach ball they have between their legs and mentioning that once a chicken lives a year or two and they get so exhausted from laying eggs constantly that they just get sent to the slaughterhouse like everybody else, you know? I just, you know, I feel though that so many people just, you know, as cruel as it is, even if we had videos showing the cruelty, you know, we can't legislate people to care. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why I think a lot of the other stuff that you write about in the book, like no food is delicious if it's worth the lives of others, how, you know, the, the thing you brought up with the zoonotic diseases, I mean, that you, I'm, I'm sure you've read The Pleasure Trap because you talk about oh, yes, it. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the, whether it's the pandemic or, you know, bird flu or all these other things, people don't realize that they, they, they have their roots in animals. Yep. Yeah. And that's, like I said, I, I like my little short and punchy, you know, things that I, I'm pretty good at that, you know, being short and punchy. So I think that's why you're short and punchy. (laughs) I am short and punchy. (laughs) I am definitely short and punchy. (laughs) I mean, the people have read it, you know, they're like, yeah, that is short and punchy day. (laughs) Well, it's good because like you say, it's not a long read and on Audible, it's about a little bit over an hour. Listen, well, you live in a a pretty vegan friendly place right now. In Austin, um, it depends. Like Austin is pretty vegan friendly. Yes. I mean, compared but to a it, lot of places, though, you know, honestly, because oh, yeah, there's a lot of vegan places. Um, But what I kind of do at Earthling End does and have a table and debate people and face to face, probably not, because there's some also very scary people. <laughs> so <laughs> you never know what they might do. <laughs> what do you think the biggest resistance for people to consider a vegan diet or even just reducing the amount of animals is? Um. The, I think, hardest part about it is that when you go vegan, you have to admit to yourself that you were harming and killing animals. And if you get into, like, the zoonotic diseases, antibiotic resistance and all that, that you're also killing humans for your own entertainment your entire life. And I get that when you're, you know, growing up and, you know, you're taught to eat all, like, I'm not saying it's your fault. It's definitely not your fault, but it's still a tough pill to swallow to recognize that you unintentionally caused a lot of harm to not only animals, but people. And psychologically, people have a resistance to make themselves the bad guy. And by admitting that, you kind of admit that you were the bad guy. And so you obviously would get over that by no longer being the bad guy if you go vegan. But then some people are just more resistant to that kind of change. And they just go, instead of accepting it and stop being the bad guy, they just go straight into denial because their brain doesn't want to accept that they were and are the bad guy as long as they continue to eat animals. Yeah, that's true. The... What, how do you feel about like vegan junk food? Because I get I get criticized a lot by ethical vegans because I, I take such a stand for eating healthily because, you know, I was a junk food vegan for 26 of the 46 years I was vegan and it got me to almost 200 pounds with the beginning of colon cancer. And so I I, I don't want to just protect animal health and well-being and environment health. I want people to be healthy too. Right. Um. I'm kind of conflicted on that a little bit just because I know that one reason why people don't want to go vegan is, oh, well, now I have to eat salad and healthy food all the time now. 
you know, where it's like you can relax every once in a while if you can do it and not go back to eating, you know, a month worth of junk, which is, again, kind of where I struggle with the pleasure trap, where if I have that one bad meal, I might go three months eating nothing but bad meals, you know, but it's just it's that kind of intimidation thing that people have where they don't want to eat healthy. I want to be able to eat Oreos, you know, so I mean. What's going to I mean what happens a lot of times is people don't actually care about health until they're in the hospital. So if, you know, if they want to eat Oreos, Oreos doesn't cause, you know, bird flu. So, you know, it's like you're going to do what you want to do, but at least don't kill humans in the process. Well, I think you're right. People don't care about health until they're sick. Yep. Yeah, I just got kind of lucky where. I just saw, you know, the starch solution kind of at the right time. And then I got onto some vegan channels like Dr. Barnard, where he talked about zoonotic diseases and where they came from and that kind of stuff. And that helped me, you know, transition into being vegan and all that. So, but yeah, like I said, if they want to eat Oreos, they're going to eat Oreos. I mean, as long as they're not harming, harming anybody else, then I personally don't have a problem with them eating Oreos. But then... I don't want to hear them cry about it when they're in the hospital, <laughs> you know. A lot of people that watch the show love to know what the guests eat in a day. Oh, what I eat in a day? Yeah. Um, I usually eat, um, I usually start my day with oatmeal or a smoothie. And then I usually, I'll eat uh, a lot of pasta because I just really like pasta. And if it's not pasta, it's usually some kind of Mexican dish or some kind of stir fry or some kind of soup that I make. You know, I really just eat a lot of different stuff. Like one of the first things I made was goulash because I hadn't had goulash since I was a kid. And I just remembered really liking goulash. So I just made goulash and instead of putting, you know, beef in it. I just put kidney beans in it. You know, just basically just normal stuff. The, when I, okay, when I first became vegan, the only thing I did was I ate what I normally ate. And I just took the animals out of it. That was it. So I just eat what I would consider to be normal food. Yeah, absolutely. Do you exercise much? Did you did exercise play a role at all in your 60 pound weight loss? Nope, not at all. People yeah, I had that. not exercised. People want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had not exercised at all. And I really actually need to go back to doing exercise. Um, but yeah, no, that was no part of my weight loss at all. So that's when, you know, people say, oh, boy, you know, I can't lose weight because I know I'm 500 pounds and I can't walk or anything like it doesn't matter. You know, I literally knew a kid that was bedridden from six months and he was not fat. You know, he was fed through a tube and everything and he was not fat because they didn't overfeed him, you know. I mean, it's what you put in your mouth. It is. And, and you know, you, Dr. McDougall, you, you should send him a copy and tell him that he inspired you. I'd be happy to facilitate. Oh, yeah. If I can, I totally would. Yeah, absolutely. Or I could even send him my copy if you want, whatever you decide. But the, um, I love, he would love what it says. Finally understand why you're fat and sick. Take it. <laughs> That's why I put that on there. It's, it's not I'm, a mystery. I'm just kind of more in your face about it. Like, I'm not, I'm not a sugar coaty kind of person, you know? And so I'm like, no, nah, you're fat and sick because of what you're putting in your mouth. Yeah. Well, <laughs> must stop be being fat and sick and stop putting fat and sick food in your mouth. 
Must be something I ate. Uh, the recipe for sweet potato brownies, oats, bananas. That sounds delicious. Yeah, I actually got that from Hench Herbivore. And I just modified the recipe to suit more of my taste. Because he, uh, he used dates. Yeah, but dates, at least for me, are pretty expensive. So I just put in bananas because bananas are cheap. Yeah, so. when bananas are ripe, they're they're uh, they're fantastic as a substitute. Oh yeah, that that was pretty good for when you do have your you know junk food kind of cravings. And I was like, well, this is a one hundred percent healthy you know thing, so I didn't mind making that and eating that. Yeah. One of the things you talk about in the book, which is your speak in my language, is calorie density. Your body is always looking for high calorie food sources with as little effort as possible. And fat is the highest in calorie density. Got that from Doug Lyle. <laughs> so, yeah, I linked a really good video to a video about calorie density. And it had like it wasn't a Doug Lyle video or anything, but it really does explain calorie density very well. But yeah, all that, you know, eating because he mentioned you know, drive throughs and all that stuff, you know, Doug Lyle did. And yeah, I got to basically a lot of my information from you guys. <laughs> well, thank you for acknowledging me in the book. Um, and I appreciate that. And since you do acknowledge Dr. John McDougall, I think we need to get him a copy because and, and highlight it and then sign it for him, you know? Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't you think? How long did it take you to write the book? And I'll link yeah, to it, of course, in the show notes in the chat. That's only about six months, I guess. Because, I mean, I, it was a lot of research and a lot of refining. And then the problem was when after I thought I was done, then I would find out more bad things, you know, that I had to keep adding it to the books. I kept like, that's another horrific thing I didn't know about. You know, like I, I kind of put it in there a little bit, but things like pigs can legally be fed any animal and every part of any animal. So I put in there about how pigs can legally eat other pigs, you know, and chickens can legally eat other chickens and, you know, things like that. But I kind of want to put in there, like, there's a law literally saying, you know, any animal. Do you think that if people knew this, they still wouldn't care? I know a lot of people don't want to hear it because they don't want to know. Right. But, but are there people that really, when they know this, they're still like, I don't care. It's delicious. I mean, and there's always going to be that person. You know, there's always going to be that person who is just that self-destructive or just that delusional or, you know, it's like people that smoke and go, well, I'm not going to get lung cancer, you know, and then if I've, I've talked to those kind of people all the time. Well, I don't care if I die, but then the moment, you know, they're about to die. Oh, well, now I really care, <laughs> you know, so they may say, oh, no, I don't care until they get lymphoma. And then I'm just kind of sitting there like, well, cows have leukemia. What, what do you want me to tell you? You literally ate leukemia. But sometimes so, it's too late. By then, yeah. Yeah. So the do you still have, because you mentioned you had were born with some kidney and heart problems. Do you still have to see doctors ongoing for either of these things? Are they, do they continue to bother you in any way? And has the know, I have to do it. I mean, that's just something that I've had to do since I was a, a baby. You know, every five years, I have to go to the urologist to make sure my kidney's still okay and things like that. You know, because you have the one, so they, they want to make sure. Um, but otherwise, like, for the amount of stuff that's wrong with me, I'm actually pretty stable. You know, so I'm very fortunate. Like, I don't need to take medication, you know, just to live because of my issues or anything like that. So as long as I just keep going to the doctor, you know, I'm, so far, like, I got my blood test, you know, where it measured all my levels and everything, and I was perfect. 
So, which is probably the healthiest I've ever been ever. <laughs> I so, never had perfect levels like that. So you think the change of diet has helped this? Oh, 100%. Like my LDL went way down. All my stuff was in the healthy range. Like, you know, no diabetes or, you know, not even pre-diabetic or anything like that. So, oh yeah, definitely came from that. Have you given any presentations on this book yet? No, this will actually be my first one. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, because, you know, I know, don't they have like the veg fest near you? I mean, I think this would be a great uh, thing to present. Uh, I don't know. I've actually wanted to go to a vegan convention. I've never gone to one. I'd actually think that'd be really cool. It is really fun. Well, we're having a conference in September if you want to come. Not really a convention, probably only a couple of hundred people, but you know, they're, they are fun. They are, you know, there's many veg fests now. And, and I, I thought that Austin, I could have sworn that Austin had one. I think maybe it was called. I'll have to look. I don't know. You would think Austin would, but with COVID and all that stuff, I don't know how much people are going back to normal. So. Well, I think, I think it's starting to open up again. What do you, what do you like to do for fun? I'm a hobby game developer. So I like to make video games. You're kidding. And because of me being legally blind and you know, being kind of limited with certain things I can do. Um, I like to specialize in making games for blind gamers, like 100% blind gamers. And so I've made just kind of like a few small projects. Like I made Simon where you have the colors is like red, blue, red, green, and you have to do all that. I made that blind accessible. I've made Brick Breaker blind accessible. Yeah, just some random stuff blind accessible. I'm actually working on my first vegan game. And it's going to be like a little Tamagotchi, little virtual pet type game. And it's going to be, you know, again, blind accessible. And it's where you are a cow, uh, like a cow rescue. And you're taking care of a, a cow that you've rescued. You know, they ran away and to avoid bad PR, you know, they can't just kill the cow now because everyone knows a cow dies. And so you get to take care of the cow. And so when you first get the cow, she has zero happiness only 10% health. And then, you know, she's like sick and all these things and you have to cure her and you have to maintain, you know, play with her and talk to her and stuff like that. So yeah, that's what I'm actually working on currently. So that's really fascinating because I, I, you know, I didn't realize, so blind people can play video games if you, if they have the right game. Yeah. If they have the right tools, they can absolutely play video games. Well, I, th- that's really in- neat because I used to, many years ago, I was a volunteer at the Braille Institute in Los Angeles, and I taught cooking, poker, and arts and crafts to the blind. So I know that they can do anything, but for oh, me, yeah. because I don't play video games as a sighted person, I'm trying to think, how do you do it as a blind person? So there must be things that you know how to do that. Yeah. Um, if uh, on itch.io, is uh, my channel or not channel my uh, account called blind ninja games and all my demos are completely free you know you can just download and play them and i've got things like text to speech on there it's a lot of text to speech and then uh like for the like say you're hitting a border if you have a controller the controller will rumble to indicate that you've hit a border you know, things like that, just to avoid too much sound, because otherwise it basically just makes sound vomit if you've got too many audio cues, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I, I actually do showcase, you know, how you can make games blind accessible pretty that's, easily. It's not that, that difficult. That, that really is interesting. And it sounds like any d- disability you have, you d- you don't let it limit you in any way. Nope. Now, one of the coolest things I ever did 
Um, this was way back in 2012. Remember, I can't drive or anything like that. So getting around is, you know, can be tricky. And I went to uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama to go see this guy called Little Karibo on YouTube. He did a little convention. And I went to Tuscaloosa, Alabama all by myself. Never been there before. And then went to the convention, came back and everything. And I felt like a million dollars. You know, I felt like I could do anything because the amount of stuff I had to do to get there is very different than just driving there. Well, you know, it almost sounds like you have another book in you just to talk about that, because that's really encouraging to, that you you don't, you know, I always hear the saying disabled doesn't mean unable. And it just seems like anything you want to do, you do. Yep. Oh, yeah. I don't let stuff stop me. You is know, this, were you that raised thing. that way? Or is this something that you inherently is Tiffany or like, did your parents raise you to not have limitations? Um, I mean, they never, never once did my parents ever tell me that, you know, I mean, I knew from a young age, you know, ever since I was nine, I knew I'd never be able to drive, but that was just a fact of life. She didn't want me to, you know, get excited about driving when that was never going to happen. But she never, ever once told me you can't do that because, you know, you don't see well enough. You know, I, she bought me video games and I got to do basically whatever I wanted. You know, even I, you know, if I wanted to ride my bike to the beach or whatever, she had no problem with me doing that or anything like that. So I was never raised different, you know, right. because of my vision impairment. Right. So just like driving, flying a plane, just a few things. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if I want to take a plane, I take a cab and then they take me to the airport and then I navigate the airport. So, so you went legally, you became legally blind at nine. No, no, no. I was born legally blind. It's just my mom told me when I was nine, because of my vision, I'd never be able to drive. Oh, so so to differentiate legally blind from blind, because you wear glasses. So do you see shadows? Can you see me at all? I can kind of see you a little bit. Um, being legally blind, it's hard to describe because it's different for everybody. So you've got people who are like, in terms of being legally blind, I'm actually not too bad compared to a lot of people. Um, but then you've got people that are 100% blind. You've got people that can barely see at all, but you've also got people that, um, I basically don't meet the requirement to drive. It's basically how I'm legally blind is I just don't see well enough to drive. I have zero peripheral whatsoever. Um, the easiest way to describe how I see is to basically cover your left eye and then do this with your right eye and then squint. That's the best approximation I can give so, to yeah. how I see. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Because I'm basically blind in my left eye. So there's not even like a prescription or anything on this lens because it, it wouldn't do anything. I got it. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love your attitude because that's just, that's very inspiring just in itself, even if you weren't vegan, but now you're even more awesome. <laughs> oh, doing the audiobook was a nightmare. <laughs> Oh, I didn't do it. Blind trying to do an audiobook. Oh, it was terrible. Because I've done two, I've done three audiobooks. How did you do it blind? Like, was the font just really giant, or was it pretty much? Yeah, and because and, I'm just in my apartment, I don't have a setup, and so I was trying to do the audiobook. And my friend recommended that just take a big blanket and put it over you <laughs> and your microphone. <laughs> and so I have my microphone here. I have my you know monitor. I'm trying to read my monitor, but trying to speak into the microphone. Oh, it was terrible. I never want to do another audiobook again. 
I don't know how you did. Well, it took, people don't realize how long it took. We did the first two in a studio with a voice director and they never let me go more than three. I mean, the pleasure trap was really hard because those words were, I was always calling either Dr. Lyle and Dr. Goldhammer saying, how right. do you say that word? How do you say that word? Right. Well, but part of, and also, you know, clostridium botulinum, you know, and enterotoxigenic cephalococcus. <laughs> So, you, you know, it's funny when I was, when I taught at the Braille Institute, I realized anything that helps a blind person also helps a sighted person. So for example, yeah. Audible, I, I mean, yeah. even though I can physically read a book, I just love it on Audible because I can be on my spin bike, walk my dog, be in the car. I get so many more books read than if I had to read them all with my eyes. Yeah. I, I mean, as a blind, uh, at least visually impaired person, I had the first version of audiobooks when I was growing up. And so they came in these like little green plastic boxes and it was a cassette tape and you had a little special recorder that you put it in and you'd get to listen to some of it. And it was the worst, (laughs) worst voice acting you ever heard. It was just so dead and robotic. It was a person reading it, but you could tell that they weren't trying. At all. I, I remember those from when I in my volunteer days. And I remember that I used to have to make recordings. So like in my poker class, I would I would have to make cassette recordings to give to the students. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then finally it became more mainstream. And now we can listen to decent audiobooks. Isn't that great? <laughs> Isn't that great? Do you have a do you have a, a guide dog or anything like that? I don't uh need a guide dog really. Um I do have a blind cane. You know, so I do have a cane for a lot of identification purposes so that, you know, people can at least see that I probably aren't going to see them, you know, because, again, I have no peripherals. So I'm not going to see a car until it's right there. And then I freak out. Right. So, so you, can go out, you can walk unassisted and things like that. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Go to stores and things like that. Yeah, I, I just walk to the store and do my thing. It's not that big. Of a deal. How do you how do you know, like the money that you're giving, like the right amount and not getting enough in getting enough change back things like that um i mostly just use a card oh i mean i only use cash if i have to so. nice nice yeah. well you know i wonder if you could reach a blind audience with your vegan message because you know i just remember the food at the braille institute was when i didn't eat there but i saw what they served for lunch and it wasn't vegan yeah that was one of the reason i really really wanted to have an audiobook because i know that as a blind person or you know other blind people because i have completely blind friends and everything so I really wanted to make an audiobook so that they would be able to at least hear the message and not get left out. That's great. I, I just hope more I hope more people hear it. You know, I, I you know, now now it makes me want to get it on audio. I saw it and I'm like, I can, <laughs> I can listen to this just in one one spin session, you know? Yeah. Like I said, the, I, I wanted people to have no excuse that, oh, I don't have the time. You know, like no. You probably take an hour and a half just to drive to and from work or something like that. You have time. And you spend that much scrolling on Instagram or Facebook for sure. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I love this. <laughs> a clogged heart is a clogged penis. <laughs> like I said, I'm short and punchy. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to, um, and I love this, how sick do you want to be? You know, if you haven't tried it yet, I think you'd be great at stand-up comedy. <laughs> the How sick do you want to be? I think Dr. Goldhammer said that. Yeah. He says, how fat and sick do you want? You know, because <laughs> people would ask him, at, you know, like I, I remember because I, I used to work at True North many years uh, for their holiday extravaganza. And he, they'd say, Dr. Goldhammer, well, you know, how much cheese can I have or how much wine or how much of this dessert? And he goes, well, it depends. And they'd go, well, it depends on what? He goes, how fat and sick do you want to be? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he's so funny. I love listening to him. He's great. <laughs> you just, you're really inspiring. I I really enjoy, uh, enjoying talking to you. And I, I, whoever had the idea for the colors, like you say, these are, you're the blind people would not be able to see it, but the sighted people will, I think, really resonate with how I, it's just really cute. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. Um, Matali's cover designer did just a fantastic job with making that cover. That was all her. Yeah, I, I really, I, it reminds me, I don't know if you're old enough to remember Dick Tracy. It was a Sunday comic and it it has the feel of this uh, to me like that. And who came yeah. up with the title Protein Inc.? Um, the Protein Inc., I mean, the original title of the book I was going to make was The Big Book of Anti-Vegan Excuses. And then as my book developed, it just kind of changed theme. And I don't know, I just kind of thought Protein Inc. And then my friend recommended you need some kind of subtitle because what does Protein Inc. mean? You know, because you need to let the readers know that this is about, you know, what, you know, what the book's actually about. So, well, would you like a side of chronic disease with that? <laughs> That's kind of what it is. Yeah, that's great. Do you live alone? Are you? I live alone. Yeah. You're really God. You you just sound like a very independent person. Yep. Yeah, that was always my goal to be independent because when you can't drive and you're so dependent on other people, you really, really hate that. You know. So I wanted to be as independent as possible. That's great. And you cook all your own meals. Yep. Cook all my own food. Yeah. You ever thought I about my completely blind friend can, you know, cook his own food. So yeah, that's true. No, we, we, like I said, I talk cooking in the Braille Institute. Absolutely. I can, but you know, just who knows, maybe if you got somebody making it for you, I mean, there's some of us that do that, you know, Yep. <laughs> just because some people just don't like to cook. Yeah. I was very fortunate that um, one of my friends, as I was growing up, actually taught me how to cook. And I was really interested in like the food network and all that stuff. So I already knew how to cook when I became vegan. So, I mean, it really wasn't a big deal. So, but you've got people that just, you know, have no idea how to cook and, you know, they become vegan and like, well, I can't make anything because I don't know how to make rice, <laughs> you know, or anything like that. So that was never a problem for me. Do you have any favorite appliances? Um, Because I live in an apartment, I don't have a lot of uh a lot of appliances, but I think I like my Nutribullet the best just because I make just so many smoothies with that thing. So, and I do have a food processor. I have, I used to have a blender. I don't think I even have a blender anymore because I never use it, but food processor and Nutribullet is yeah. what I've got. No Instant Pot for you? No, I don't have the, actually, no, I do have an Instant Pot, but it's in my living room and I've only used it to make uh, probiotic vegan yogurt. I'm kind of scared of it because it's a, essentially a bomb <laughs> when you use it. So I'm kind of scared to use like the actual pressure cooking. That's funny. Well, if you need help, I can teach you how to do it. I love mine because I just, you know, I think once you use it, you, you, do you ever have, a, do you ever entertain or cook for other people? Nah, I just cook for myself. Like I will, when I go visit my family, they'll sometimes let me cook for them. So then I will, you know, make them the best food I can. Things that I think that they might like. I mean, even though if it's got processed stuff in it, like um, I one time made a garden meatball sub sandwich for them. So I had the garden meatballs. It had marinara sauce, onion, green pepper, fresh basil, 
And then I made them vegan garlic bread using vegan butter and garlic salt. And then, you know, just put that all together and it's delicious, you know, and they enjoyed it. Well, some of you have recipes in here for goulash, spicy lentil soup. And these are not difficult recipes, by the way. No, I don't, I don't make super complex, you know, type food. I'm, I'm pretty simple. Like I will use a lot of spices and things like, you know, my food is flavorful, but I don't make a lot of complex stuff just because I'd rather do other things. Like cooking is not my favorite thing to do, but you do it because you need to. What is your favorite thing to do? Game design (laughs) is my favorite thing to do. I I definitely want to check that out. That is just so fascinating to me. So you would you ever consider doing some cooking videos or cooking demonstrations? No, <laughs> I have no interest in any of that, unfortunately. No interest, no interest whatsoever. Wow. No, for me, the game design scene is where it's at. That's so so cool. I, I I'd like it. to make some, you know, vegan games, you know, basically to kind of introduce people to the concept of, you know, being vegan, that it's okay to be vegan, basically. Well, I love that, that you're combining your passion and your work to also promote veganism. So that's very <laughs> cool. Thank you. I love it. Yeah, it's just just fascinating. So guys, check out the book. The link is in the chat and in the show notes. There's recipes. There's all kinds of information. And it's also on Audible, which is, I think, a great way to to get, you know, to listen to it in, in about an hour. Yeah, it's about an hour and a half. It took me about a month to actually record it because of how many problems I have. But hopefully it's pretty good. Like I said, I want it to be short. And so people can, you know, so it's very accessible for people to read. Yeah, I love this. Do you really think animals that comprise those $1 burgers had a good, long, happy and healthy life? I think a lot of people just don't want to know the truth, Tiffany. Yep. Yeah. And and that's kind of what I've observed is even even when I saw the starch solution and saw that, well, I don't have to eat animals, you know, but I didn't really mind doing it. And but I didn't know about animal agriculture. And I was still very much, oh, they live happy lives the farmers take care of them and all that stuff and you just kind of you know get you basically you know comfort yourself by thinking oh they had really good lives and all that and you don't think about the animals that made up the one dollar burger there are no happy cows people let's get real you know right you know and like like with the uh oh buying happy eggs from happy chickens and even then i was like well they better be that's what I'm paying with this organic, all that stuff for. Nope. Then you find out that no chicken is happy. No, no, no food is, is so delicious. It's worth the lives of other people. I've had people say, I would rather die than give up cheese. For example, it's crazy. Well, then you will. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You, <laughs> you, your snappy comebacks are great. You're going to be a mad magazine, snappy answers to stupid questions. I'm telling you, you got it. I'm going to talk to you offline about taking my stand-up class. You're in control. <laughs> So who's Roseanne? Um, she's my friend from Big Brothers Big Sisters. I actually met her when I was six years old. And she is uh just like I said, been my best friend ever since I was a little kid. And like I said, she's the one that helped me learn how to cook and things like that. You know, she really integrated having ethics and integrity and everything like that. She was really integral to the person I became. And so she was also the major, major contributor to the state of my book that it is now because like i said she helped me throughout almost the entire process you know and so oh, the reason the book is as good as it is is because of her right is she vegan 
No, she's unfortunately not vegan. Oh my gosh, and she's still your best friend. I know, it drives me crazy. Oh no, but she sounds like she supports you, so that's She the- does, yeah. When I told her I was vegan, she was like, oh, good for you. You know, she, you know, I didn't know if she'd be upset or, you know, what she would say. Like, she was totally on board with it. You know, she just won't do it for herself, I guess. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe you'll, you'll pave the way for, for people. Well, it's just been, it's really been great talking to you and I'm so glad that you, you contacted me and wish you every success with this book guys. Again, check it out. It's really good. It's not a long read. And if you don't want to read it, it's on audible and I'm going to get it now because now that I know your story about, you know, and I I didn't know, I didn't realize you were legally blind when you, you know, contacted me. Yeah. No, I mean, being legally blind wasn't important to the book or anything like that. So, I mean, I did no point in but mentioning it. it so. But it's important to your story. And yeah. I think and I, it's a great story worth telling if you write another book, because because to me, you had mentioned you were going to call this book something about vegan. The excuses. big book of anti-vegan excuses. And, and to me, kind of, it is important because I could see that being an excuse. Well, you know, I'm legally blind, so how can I make vegan food? I can see that yeah. Well, the excuses came from, so once I gave up animal products and started doing research, I got into doing a lot of YouTube debates with people. And that's also where I kind of learned a lot of information as well, because they would say, oh, well, you can't get vitamin A. And here's a study showing you can't get vitamin A. And then I read the study and it goes, um, that's them right there reversing, you know, vitamin A deficiency using sweet potatoes. So what are you talking about? You know, and all your plants feel pain and oh we've always eaten animals and things like that so just having a lot of those debates and i i probably lost some of those early on debates because i just didn't know enough information now i can crush anybody in a debate do we can you we watch these are these televised or or you no no these are just like youtube comments that i've had you know these aren't like live debates like you know, like other vegans have had, because again, I'm not a vegan influencer or anything like that. I'm really just some random person who just felt passionate enough to write a book and then saw your video with Matali <laughs> and was like, I guess I have to publish a book. Well, I think, <laughs> I think you could be an influencer. Is Do you have a channel? Is there a way for people to get in touch with you or follow you? Um, the book has an uh, email that I made just for the book. If they want to contact me. Um, again, I'm not a vegan influencer. I'm a very introverted person. So I almost did publish the book at all. Cause I'm like, I really don't want people bothering me about interviews and stuff. Cause I'm so introverted. I want them to read the book, go vegan and leave me alone. That is hilarious. That might be the best thing I've ever heard. I want people <laughs> to get buy the book, go vegan and leave me alone. I, I can relate to that because I <laughs> believe it or not, you may not believe this. I'm an introvert. Oh, I wow. am. I know it because, you know, I've had interviews you do. That's kind of exhausting. I understand it is exhausting. And I've had years of training, you know, and, and, but people don't realize that, you know, I just, when I'm with people like, and like, why don't you want to go on the cruise or the, and I'm like, cause it's, it's, when I'm with people, I just get exhausted. Too many people. It's like they, I mean, I love being with my husband and my dog and maybe even a few friends here and there, 
but but people don't if people aren't introverts they don't get it because yeah. so I guess what I'm an outgoing inter, introvert but I am an introvert because I love my time alone with s- small groups or even nobody except oh yeah absolutely you know like uh, there's there was a joke going around when COVID-19 hit and everyone was in quarantine all the introverts were like yes I've been training my whole I life for COVID of course I didn't want people to die and suffer but I loved it I mean I got to stay <laughs> for like three years it was the best it was the best ever but that might be the best line buy my book go vegan and leave me alone yep (laughs) (laughs) i don't don't want to be famous i mean i was speaking with matali as as we were going through the publishing process and everything and i was like yeah i'm gonna make this email so that people can channel all their death threats you know to this (laughs) i don't think they will but but i think you're i think you're doing a, a great service and um, and I, again, you, I really was a delight talking to you. So guys, Protein Inc., let's support this book. And if you want to give it to friends and family that really need a little bit of lessons, but you know, you don't really shove it down their throat, you know, not in a mean way, you know, no. you just I give mean, the facts. Well, I mean, we've all were raised to think you have to eat animals. You need your protein, omega-3s. And, you know, so I understand that it just comes from lack of information. And I want to think that if people are given the right information in the right way, and maybe even at the right time in their life, that it will click and they'll make the change. That's you know, if you just say, oh, well, how, you know, because I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I first in 2019 started looking at, you know, what the best diet is and things like that, I found some very mean vegans, <laughs> you know, they were not, you know, I was just asking basic questions like, well, what's the healthiest diet? I mean, I thought I needed to eat animals and they would just call me Hitler or whatever. I'm like, well, that's not healthy. That doesn't help me with, I'm just wanting to learn about health. How can you call me Hitler? And so obviously I'm not going to do anything of that in the book because that's not how you get people to change, (laughs) you know? But I'm like, here's the facts though, you know, so. You know, I know you say you're not an influencer, but what is the best way you think to influence people to go vegan or to make positive changes? Um, one is to be the change yourself. Because like I said, when I was first vegan or when I, you know, called myself vegan, but I would still eat Thanksgiving, I was telling my family that, you know, I wasn't going to eat animals on my own, but I'll eat animals with you, thus normalizing eating animals you know it was funny because my family would say things like oh she's not one of those vegans (laughs) you know and so they saw me as a very different person than you know actual vegans and but when I stopped when I told them I'm not eating Thanksgiving I'm not eating any of this garbage not happening then you know they became more open to actually making me you know, vegan products when I'm at their house, you know, when I was there last time, they actually made an effort to at least reduce the amount of animals that they eat. Like they're not going to, you know, do it hundred percent, but they at least made the effort to severely reduce, you know, how many animals they ate while I was there. So I think you have to at least be it yourself first and then just kind of sprinkle in, you know, information as it comes along. Like I actually had a little list of Okay, well, one of my friends says, you know, he's got rheumatoid arthritis. Well, oh, Dr. McDougal got rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Well, I'm going to contact him after the show and, and, and take a screenshot of the page. And if you want to get a book to him, I'm happy to facilitate them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't even know I could send him anything like that. So yeah, I would love to do that. That's great. And uh, I like that. Be the change and eat the change that you want to see in the world. Yep. Great. Well, it's been a pleasure getting to know you, Tiffany. Thank you for inspiring people to make the change. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It is, it's a delight. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow for another fabulous guest. Take care, everyone.